You are listening to episode 14 of the Ball Blob Podcast. Myself and Nate interview WEEI's Rob Bradford and talk to him about the Red Sox lack of success. Alrighty, we are here with Rob Bradford, the host of the Bradford Show, and he's a Red Sox writer for WEEI.com, and he's probably the biggest Josh Winkowski fan on the planet. So, <laughs> so Rob, thank you for joining us today. Nice. Uh, no, it's my pleasure to be to be with you guys. And um, man, I, I don't think I've ever been called the biggest Josh, Josh Winkowski fan. Uh, I mean, but, I mean, there's worse things to be called, but yeah, absolutely. So again, I appreciate you having me. And um, yeah, let's do it. Okay. So my first question is kind of regarding the Red Sox. Why else would we be here? Um, this this season's been very disappointing. Most aspects of the team really haven't been that good this season. Um, in your eyes, what aspect of the team would you really put the most blame on? Ooh, the blame pie conversation. I like it. Uh, you know, I, I think that the construction of the team is flawed to begin with. And you start with, you know, when we came out of spring training, we knew the bullpen was going to be thin, and then it got even thinner when Garrett Whitlock went to the starting rotation. And you didn't, you didn't pay for pay for certainty. You got to pay for certainty, you know. And there's no certain things in life. I understand that, but it's okay. You have to at some point you have to pay for what guys have done and not what guys are going to or you think they're going to do. And I think that's where they got caught a little bit. And even in regards to Hunter Renfro, right? I mean, Hunter Renfro, you give up the 30 home runs and you said, we think that Jackie Bradley is going to be better. And we think these minor leaguers, Alex Pinellas and David Hamilton will be good. Um, but, you know, you knew what you had in Hunter Renfro. So uh, you knew what you had in Hunter and Kyle Schwarber. So I think that if we're going to ch- carve out the biggest chunk of blame pie, I think that roster construction probably was at the top of the list. And then, you know, injuries and underperformance right after that. Yeah, and I'm just curious, like, what would you say is, like, because, like, they had a very good season last year. What would you say is sort of, like, the biggest difference between this year's team and last year's team? Wins. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It's it's, the biggest difference is, is you, it goes back to you didn't replace the guys that were really good for you. And, um, and you did, and you had underperformance from some of the key guys too. I mean, it's just you, you go back to last year. You can't discount that you ha- had what you had from Hunter Renfro and Kyle Schwarber. I hate to keep saying it, but that was a reality. You can't discount that Garrett Whitlock was no questions asked the guy in the bullpen. Even a guy like Adam Montavino. I mean, J- basically Jake Diekman was supposed to be the lefty version of Adam Montavino, and that didn't work out nearly as well. Uh, so, you know, all of it, I mean, it, it's just, it was, it was sort of thinking that you could turn it over, you could tweak here, you tweak, tweak there. But the problem is the places that you tweaked didn't work. I mean, even Trevor Story, who I think is a really good player and can be a really good second baseman, like that didn't work out nearly what they thought it would work out like. So, yeah, I mean, it is, it, it's, this happens, but in the we talk about in the world of Boston baseball, you have to win. This isn't Tampa. This isn't Baltimore where you lose 10 seasons and say, hey, then everybody say, it was worth it, the rebuild. Oh, was it really? Was it worth it? All those years of going like nobody in the stands, 
now you say that because they're better, but you can't do that in Boston. The whole thing was sustainability, right? That's what we heard. Well, you're 0 for 1. So you better be 1 for 1 next year. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So my next question kind of relates more on pitching and the trade deadline. Um, we we heard Bloom earlier in the year saying he wants two bull he wanted two bullpen arms at the deadline. That really never came to a reality at all. Sure, you know you get some guys in the minor leagues, but they really haven't panned out. Um, why do you think the Sox didn't go for more bullpen arms? Well, it was you go back to that trade deadline where it was this sort of they were caught in between and say, well, we're going to buy and sell, and it was it wasn't the right thing to do. Now listen. They got they got back two good players. They got Tommy Pham has been good. Reese McGuire has been good. The problem is is that for what you talked about, which is was the most important thing, the bullpen, you didn't get anything, and you actually took away somebody. As 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 inconsistent as Jake Diekman has been, you know, he still like the Heat. You end up putting Darwin's and Hernandez. I don't know if you saw that guy. It's like in Kansas City. They had to put Dar- Darwin's and Hernandez in those. Like, what? What are you doing? Like, that's not working. You were treading water. And in the Christian Vasquez thing, that's that's less of a tangible thing, right? I mean, I can say that, hey, you know, that, that Bogart's endeavors didn't play better or as well as they could have because they were mad about Vast. I don't know. Like, these guys are human beings. So, it, but the, the bullpen, bullpen thing, they just, that was the miss. Uh, there's no question about it. And when what they'll tell you is that it was going to cost too much, that they didn't want to allocate whatever it was going to cost to get bullpen arms, so be it. But they didn't, they didn't get anybody. Yeah, um, I, I absolutely agree with you on the deadline. It's definitely not aged well for me. I mean, like, there were some good aspects, but the fact that they didn't get a single arm there is just absolutely ridiculous. Well, so do you? L- let me ask you this. So yeah. let me ask you this. So, if in hindsight now we look at it right and they say, well, they should have traded JD, they should have traded Avaldi, they should have traded these guys because either they got hurt or underperformed. And you know, I don't know if you, you guys, you know, just a couple of years ago, they had there was two trade deadlines there was the non-waiver trade deadline and the trade deadline if the trade deadline the waiver trade deadline still was in effect right now you probably wouldn't have jd martinez here mm-hmm. or valdi or true. maybe even Waka or a hill or these guys because they would have been able to trade them all right fine you didn't make those trades but in your mind in your guys minds if they if they don't trade vasquez if they do get a bullpen arm do things turn out differently like this, and there's no way to. Your opinion is good enough, right? There's no way to absolutely say this is going to lead to that because of statistics. A lot of this is mental. A lot of this is clubhouse vibes. A lot of this is whatever. In your opinion, if they go for it more than they did, are we sitting here with a different conversation? Ooh. I think. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll start. I think. I think if we got one arm, I think very few would change. Very few things would Do change. Do you keep Vasquez? That. Do you keep Vasquez? I'm gonna say you still have to trade him because you know, although he's a very important piece, I think the, I, the returns we got back were pretty good. They're almost major league ready. Like yeah, it's very true. Yes, yeah. they're almost major league ready. And if they were, if they were in like Double A, I'd be very mad. But 
I'm kind of glad we traded Vasquez because he's someone you can get in the offseason for maybe a a hometown discount because he has such a close connection with the team. And I'm not saying him and then for another relief pitcher. I'm not saying one relief pitcher would completely turn around the season. Um, But I think if we focused a little bit more on a few more arms and move a few more things around and stay healthy, that's a big other big part. I think we're sitting here maybe instead of, what, nine games back? Jesus. Maybe we're seven and a half. Oh wow, seven and a half right now. Maybe yeah, we're sitting back. Oh man, like everything's turned out. <laughs> yeah, no, but seven and a half is very much different for being four and a half out right now. Yeah, you're right. And well, if, look at. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and if we're sitting here thinking a few more bullpen arms could make the difference between seven and a half and four and a half, we definitely have the power to you know go on a streak. We, I mean. It hasn't been shown, but you know this offense can wake up. The these and the starting rotations also got to step up. There have been so many times where they've been inconsistent. They're always roll the dice. You never know what you're gonna get. But uh, there is a world where we could be here and we're there four and a half if they you know got well, more bullpen arms. Right, you're not wrong about if this they're sitting there four games back right now. It is a different conversation. There's no question about it. And just look at I give you an example like the White Sox. Holy mackerel. Like, what a dumpster fire that has been for most of the year, right? But they're four back in the division. I think they're, like, six back in the wild card. But think about that. Like, you, you, if you're the White Sox, you're sitting there thinking, hey, you know what? We can actually make that. We can actually have a shot at the division. But they're sitting there at six and a half or whatever the wild card. We have no shot at the wild card. So that's the difference if you want to look at the difference between seven and a half and four. I totally agree with you. So there you go. I agree. Yeah. And yeah, and I feel like if you're only four games back, like I think, like as you said, I think there's a different vibe, a different attitude in the clubhouse. And when, you know, you have positive vibes, it makes you play better. So yeah, I mean, like, I feel like if they, you know, maybe went forward a bit more at the deadline, there could have, you know, I feel like we would be having a different conversation. And maybe at the very least, like, you know, they could be somewhat competitive at this time instead of, you know, feeling like the season's basically over yeah 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 it's not good to feel like the season's over on july on september 2nd no no that's never good especially after like you have a walk-off at fenway and everyone's jumping on the dugout everyone's happy and then like you wake up a couple hours after a couple hours after the euphoria has washed over you you're like huh Seven and a half back. Yeah, yeah, and the team's also still four games below 500 and in last in their division. I know it's a yeah, tough division, but come on. Let me give you another one. I mean, the fact is that then, on top of it all, Orioles have just called up basically, you know, like all these top guys. They're already good. They're not going to probably go in the other – they're only going to get better. You're going into next offseason – undeniably right now undeniably, i don't know what they're going to do you know in the offseason but undeniably predicted as the last place team and in boston that is unacceptable that shouldn't happen for the amount of resources you have and they'll tell you said we have all these resources we're going to spend the money so forth, so forth and so on but you know until you do you know we you know we'll we'll have to wait and see so i know that i'm a ray of sunshine today Oh, no, that's perfectly we fine. We don't blame you. We don't blame <laughs> you. Yeah. Okay. So here's my next question. So it's going to be surrounding Tristan Cassis. Very much so. You got rumors about him getting the call. Hasn't happened yet. Um, 
Why, what do you think the main setback is from Cassis getting the call, especially in a month where the Red Sox have literally nothing to lose? I think it's just there's no reason to, to, to jump the gun if they don't have to. And I say jump the gun and people say, well, you know, well, who cares? And I, I, I think I made this case is that I think at this point it would be all right to call them up. You're around – these guys, like you're around Hosmer, you're around major leaguers, you can integrate them here and there. But I think that the way that they view it is, well, you know, you can get, you can still get a ton of at bats, more at bats than you would in the major leagues in AAA. Um, I looked at this the other day. You know, the guys in his draft class in the first round. I think there's two guys, two high school position players, who had made it to the major leagues, and I know uh, Kalenic is one. But he came up way too early. I mean, he came up last year, and that's obviously hasn't worked out. I think the other one, um, oh, it's St. Louis. Come on. Somebody for St. Louis. Anyway, and that's worked out well, pretty well. And then there's a second rounder that same year, that same draft class, a high school position player who's a center fielder for the Diamondbacks who's doing okay. So, I mean, there are examples. Like Kalenic – He's he's the example of why you don't do it too early, and because you're going to be going up and down all over the place. But uh, I think that you know you you still have to pick the right spots, and I don't have a problem when they're waiting a little bit because this isn't like you desperately need Tristan Cassis right now. You don't. I think as long as you integrate him at some point into the major league world, like that'll go a long way. Yeah. Was was the other guy you were talking about in the Cardinals, Nolan Gorman? Yes. Thank you. I knew you guys yeah. would be all <laughs> over that. Excellent job. Yeah. yeah. So, Nolan Gorman, Klenick, and uh, the center fielder for the, the Diamondbacks, who Johnny Gomes. We were doing our fantasy football draft, the Bradfoe Show fantasy football draft <laughs> the other day. And Johnny Gomes was, like, screaming, yelling, staking claim to taking all credit for that center fielder. I forget his name. For the Diamondbacks, but yeah, so there you go. Nothing oh. like some good fancy, fo- a f- good fancy football draft to talk some crap about uh, taking credit for center field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I feel like we all can agree that this roster in 2020, 20, 2022 is a mess, complete mess. <laughs> it is flawed and there are holes all over. And my question to you is, what do you think the Red Sox need to do or could do to address these holes or at least fix this problem? Yeah, I think that I think a lot of it is going to come in trades. It has to come in trades. The free agent class isn't great. Um, across, I mean, you have the high end guys like the Aaron Judge or the Jake DeGroms and those guys, but I mean, we have to be realistic. I think it's, you know, so when we're trying to predict, trades and who are they going to get that's a tough one because no one predicted that they were going to trade for adam Onovino a couple of years ago i mean it's but i do know this is that you obviously have to figure out the Devers situation you have to figure out they're going to find out the bogart situation sooner than later you have to figure out who's going to dh you know and you're gonna to have to figure out like where hosmer fits and along the lines of hosmer a big part of this, too, and I've heard this from guys in that clubhouse who obviously won't put their name to it, but you have to get some more I don't know, leadership, 30-something-year-old 
leadership for the position players. And Hosmer is that guy. Like, Hosmer helps. But when you have guys coming up and you have young guys that you're excited about, you need guys in there who are going to say, cut the crap, this is how you do it. They, I mean, the 2013 was a perfect example of this. Like, you've got a bunch of those guys. That's important. Alex Cora was one of those guys, but you can only do so much as a manager. You need the guys in there. So, you know, you need the leaders in there. You need uh, – and, and maybe, like, you know, a guy that's sort of going under the radar that I think that they should bring back is Kike Hernandez. Like, yeah. I think that they should bring Kike back. Um, you probably can get it on a pretty good rate because he's had a down year, obviously. He he obviously fills a void. I think he, he's he's good enough offensively where he you can stick him at the end of the lineup. I think he's a, he's a good place to start. Like honestly, like I think that's a, a good place to start. But you're gonna have to figure out the Devers, Bogarts, who's filling in for JD, that sort of thing. That has to be the top of the list. Yeah, just to go back on Kike Hernandez, I like him a lot and. I have to say, I really missed him when he was hurt because, like, it's just center field kind of became a revolving door, especially with Duran's struggles defensively. So, like, it was just so refreshing to see him in mid-August come back and play center field and actually, like, you know, know how to play the position and, like, be good. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like night, it's night and day, right? I mean, it's night and day watching, the, you know, Jaron Duran or whoever else was out there and Kike Hernandez play. Their whole idea, the whole thing with Hunter Renfro with bringing Jackie Bradley was this model that Tampa Bay had, which was you have this insanely good defensive outfield, right? Tampa was Kiermaier, Margot, Rosarena. And, and so, all right, number one, you need Jackie to hit, but you also need Kike to stay healthy. And I understand that. I, I was, I was, Okay, that's a great – you need that defensive outfield. But then what did that morph into? That morphed into Jaron Duran and Christian Arroyo playing right field. You know, it wasn't working. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm on board for bringing Kike back. Yeah. He was one of the first kids to tell me that he misses Jackie Bradley Jr. on the team, which not, mm. I, I actually agree All with right. that. I, I well, missed like- him for a while. Miss, you know? Wait, when, when did I say I missed Jackie Bradley Jr.? When Duran had that, like, horrible error. Uh, oh, yeah, that. it's just, like, yeah. it, which is not good to say because, like, I still think JBJ is not a good hitter and a guy who can hit, but, like, at least he can field. Well, that I, was another thing right at the deadline. Right after the deadline happened, you had Darwins and Hernandez pitching meaningful innings out of the bullpen because you traded a guy. And then you had Jaron Duran dropping fly balls in Kansas like everything in that at Kansas City, it was like Murphy's Law, yeah. Series right after that was like, oh my, really? Like this is a word to have. Like Joe Castiglione has a teacher, right? Joe, Joe, Joe Castiglione has a teacher. That Jackie would have had that, which is like we were saying that over and over and over again uh, in that week. So yeah, so I don't blame you. Like it's okay, and by the way, Jackie is a great guy. He's like one of the nicest guys. Okay, that's I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's I will only wish the best for him. And uh, on Toronto now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, listen, like people say, you know, I grew up around here, and and this is I don't want you guys to lose your fandom yet, but people say, oh well, you know, root for the Red Sox. Well, like, sorry, man, like I root for time of game. 
I root for storylines and I root for people. You know, that's who, like, if someone's a good guy and, you know, you know, everyone's flawed, like everyone's flawed. Like all these players are flawed and, and they all come from different places and they all have bad days and everything mm-hmm. else. But, you know, this is, it's different than me growing up. Like, you know, or like you guys, like seeing these guys and say, Hey, you know what? Like, I, I love the idea of the Red Sox, love them winning. And for me also, I'm going to be honest with you, my life is appreciably easier when they win. It's, that's, it's not about bad. rooting for them. It's about rooting for business. You know, it's, it's, and it's, it's a lot easier. People are more engaged. It's a lot easier to, like, get people on podcasts and, and write interesting Nobody wants to like if I want to write about um, Schreiber's mustache. <laughs> nobody wants to read about Schreiber's mustache when they've lost ten in a row. Yeah, yeah. right. But then when they win five in a row, everyone wants to read about Schreiber's mustache. So yeah, so there you go. Yeah. A little insight to my world. Yeah, I know we're running out of your time here, but I'll give you this last question. So with Bloom kind of being on the hot seat in this offseason, I feel like, you know, Devers, getting Devers extended would be that statement deal. You know, he's, you know, fully capable of doing his job. I know some trades have been bad ones. I'm not going to say which ones were. Um, But with him being in the hot seat, do you think a deal would be done with either Bogarts or Devers or possibly both? Uh, As we sit here right now, um. I think the ownership would really have to come in and say to Heim Bloom, Hey, listen, we know this is what you value these guys at. We'll add 50 million or something along those lines, <laughs> it, you know? And I think that he's, it, it's, I think that like you look at the contract offers that were like, for instance, Bogars, right? He's got three years left at 20 million. If he doesn't opt out, they would say, and, you know, and there was a case for it. That's what he is. He's a $20 million a year player for the next three years. Okay, that's fine. But you also have to factor in what he means to the team. You have to factor in what he means to this team on and off the field. Ownership has to factor in, you know, what he means to the team off the, you know, like in terms of marketing and, and perception and all of that. And the other reality is that, that he's not opting in. Yes. Because if, if if he opted in, then he's hitting free agency again at the age of what, thirty-three? Like as as a guy who's probably not gonna be a shortstop, mm-hmm. like that's not happening. Yeah. So, you also have to factor Scott Boris, you know? Right. He well, wants he wants to get thing. the best that's, out of this player. Scott Boris is not I mean, this isn't the previous contract one where Bogart says, just get me the deal with the Red Sox. No, that's a different world. And so I think that they have to – it's going to be interesting to see if they break off from that narrative while he's – that's what he is um, and value him a little bit more. But, again, I think that would have to come from ownership. And with Devers, it's – they've – I've said this on the radio and like a bunch of times. I have no idea why they didn't approach him earlier in his career with, with an extension. Like, I don't – it baffles me. And I know they did at the end of spring training, but on March 23rd, when I asked him, say, hey, listen, have they ever talked to you? And he says, no, ever. I mean, that's a lot of years. And you can't just blame Dave Dombrowski. That's part of Bloom's regime as well. 
So, like, you missed that opportunity, and because you missed that opportunity, now you're sitting a year away from free agency, and he's holding all the cards as much as you can go on an over 50 slump. He's still holding all the cards. Yeah. And so, you know, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to deal with that. You're gonna have to pay him like he perceives himself as one of the best players in in baseball. Which and that's just how it's gonna. And if you aren't willing to do that, if you're gonna stick by the Matt Olson thing, then you aren't gonna sign him. That's just yeah. how it's gonna be. A hundred percent true. I, yeah. I I mean like yeah. I, I yeah. Uh, yeah, you couldn't have said that better. Um, See, I wish, I wish you, I, you guys can, can you hang around me for a day to make me feel better about myself? It's like <laughs> you disagree with everything I say. It's good. I appreciate. It. I, no, yeah. it's, it's, uh, no, it's, it's, it's. I mean, I, that that sort of stuff. I don't, I don't know how you argue it, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be a really interesting off season. It really is. I mean, you guys should keep cranking out this podcast like oh, throughout yeah. every single day, every single week. This is the thing I say about podcasts in the off season. Like, yeah, we can do them now, and there's stuff going on. I tell you what, where you want that this baby to, to take off, do it during the off season, because those that's when people go away. That's when the podcasters go away and said we'll hibernate and we'll see you in spring training. No, power through. People love talking about that stuff. Yeah. So, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It'll big big things coming up. I know that. Yeah. I I just can't wait for this off season to come. I'm just I'm also I'm, I can't wait. I also don't want it to come. So I just get both of those feelings <laughs> yeah. at the same time because it's you like it's conflicted. Such, yeah, it's such a big off season, and like you said, it's huge. Yeah. 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 It's, but but people love it. People. I, I've said this. People. People love the dynamic of team building. They have such an appetite for it. They love it. You know, we, we end up writing writing and talking about – it used to be we wrote about what was on the field. Honestly, everything's off the field now. And, you know, especially when I'm sort of out of it. But everything's off the field. Yeah, you know, I acknowledge the Rob Ruff Snyder walk-off and everything else. But that lasts like a couple hours. And now we're moving on to um, – you know what it means. What it means for Rob Ref Snyder's future in 2023. So, yeah. yeah, you got big things for this podcast. I know it. Yes, sir. thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Such a pleasure having yeah, you on. Great, great having you on. Oh yeah, listen, my pleasure. I look forward to re- resurfacing with you guys during the off season. Oh, yeah. yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, thank yeah. you. Bye. Right, thank you.